0: basketball show. Hey, good morning everybody. Another edition of the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPL.com by St. Aloysius Church and School. In Jackson, New Jersey by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. As always, a handful of stuff we're going to get into today in a world of baseball, sports, and unifying America. Uh, pardon the appearance a little bit. The renovation is going on. Um, if you can see, we have a partial ceiling here. Uh, a couple walls still going to be knocked down and changed as we update the PBS studio. But in the meantime, the show goes on. Among things we're going to talk about today, I was thinking about the Super Bowl and all the different things that we've been up against in regards to the coronavirus and teams being forced to play games the way they are. I'll touch on that in a little bit. We got the situation with the Mets and Jared Porter, who no doubt once the story comes out about what not just allegedly happened, but was confirmed to have happened. He needed to be removed from his post. He needed to be let go. But did that cost the Mets a shot at getting George Springer? First thing we're going to talk about: basketball. Listen, part of me, as a Cavaliers fan, is excited that the Cavs had a nice win against the Brooklyn Nets uh, against a dream team setup. And a Brooklyn Nets team that is expected to, right now, win a championship within the next couple years. And if you have followed the PBS over the last couple shows, you've known that that has kind of been a a pretty hot point, a a continuous talking point about whether the Nets are better or worse since they made the trade with the Houston Rockets for James Harden. Now, last night, and once again, I hate being time-centric. But sometimes, you know, something that happened the night before can bring up some very powerful talking points. And I think it does in this situation. But I think of Kyrie Irving being on the floor for the first time with both Kevin Durant and James Harden. And in all honesty, it didn't look too bad. Kyrie as the facilitator on the court, which he's there to be, he's there to be the point guard, I thought. He got the job done. And I think from a defensive standpoint, if you're going up against these three players, you have to wonder if it's possible to be able to give the necessary coverage to all three on the defensive side of the ball. Kyrie brings the ball up. You want to make sure you have enough attention against him because he's going to take it right to the basket and at the very least draw a foul. You jump up on Kyrie with that second defender. He passes to KD. Double-team KD gives it to a wide-open Harden. The three-man basketball game is probably best suited for those three players. And I bring that up because you think of the big three, whether it's when you're talking about LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh. Chris Bosh was that rim protector, which the Nets kind of seem to be missing right now. But if you think of Kyrie as the one that is that prototypical point guard that can bring the ball up, perhaps similarly to the way Dwayne Wade did, and now instead of having a LeBron James, he has a Kevin Durant and a James Harden, from from a defensive standpoint, it should be very tough to stop. I look at the Nets, and I see... And a lot of people will see because outside of those that are diehard Brooklyn Nets or Cleveland Cavaliers fans, most of you probably didn't watch the game last night. And then you look up and you see the 147 points, the 135 points, the double overtime win by the Cleveland Cavaliers. And you say, hey, the Nets must have screwed this up. Or what is it that the Nets did to force themselves to lose to a lowly Cleveland Cavaliers team? And I say this because one of their star players, Darius Garland, didn't even play. The Cavs played just eight players. One of them was Colin Sexton, who kind of had a breaking out party—forty-two points, pretty solid effort. But if I'm the Nets, I'm trying to figure out what what happened here. You got three of the best players in the NBA all on the floor for the most part at the same time and I think it is going to take some time for each one of those players to figure out what their roles are going to be. James Harden through the first quarter, if I'm not mistaken, didn't even take a shot. So I think James Harden's thinking too much. James Harden in his first game goes out there, you know, f's around and gets a triple-double and you know, maybe kind of trying to prove, "Hey, I could be a team player here. I was the man in Houston." The ball was coming to me. I was taking my 30 shots a game. There wasn't a look that James Harden was passing up when he was a member of the Houston Rockets going out there, scoring 50 points a game. Now, you look at it from this perspective. All right, James Harden kind of going the extreme opposite, not taking a shot in the first quarter. Like I said, triple-double whatever a 13 assists or so in the first game. It's going to take a little time for these three players to figure out what their best roles are together. And I'm not shocked that they went out there and they got beat by the Cleveland Cavaliers. I'm a little bothered I would be if I was the Nets. Because like you said, Cleveland didn't have Darius Garland. I look at Garland and Colin Sexton, and I think that's one of the better young backcourts you're going to see in the National Basketball Association over the next couple years. The Cavaliers have spent a handful of years not having LeBron James on their team struggling. They're only good with LeBron. They're only good when they drafted LeBron and he stayed there for the first part of his career. They were terrible when he left to go to Miami. They were good when he came back, of course, culminating with an NBA championship. And now they're not good again because he's not there. The Cavaliers slowly are building towards a good basketball team without LeBron James. It'll be nice. LeBron, let's say, after he finishes his handful of seasons with the Lakers, maybe he's a free agent again. Maybe he thinks, hey, it would be pretty cool to come back to the Cleveland Cavaliers for one more year. And maybe the Cavs could say, you know what? we got a good enough team without you. We don't need you right now. That's neither here nor there. That's my dream as a fan of the Cleveland Cavaliers. But do the Nets, big three, have to figure out their own roles individually? Absolutely. Kyrie Irving's going to be the facilitator, and I got no issue with that. He brings the ball up. Hey, if there's a shot, he takes it. If there's a chance to go to the rim, he does it. And then he's got KD, and he's got Harden. The Nets should be able to score 120 points a game with those three. You're talking about an all-star cast with your big three, something that basketball really hasn't seen in a while. Now, you've heard some discussion Whether three is too much, whether it's just a big player at a big time, is it more of a big two game? I don't know. I think each one of these teams needs to be broken down individually, and we we tend to not do that. We tend to try to put all generalizations into one bucket and say the mold has to be made the same, put it all in the same kind of cookie cutter and say everything's got to be this way. Each individual team needs to be broken down by itself. Did the Nets give up some depth with the trade of Karis LeBert and Jared Allen? I think so. They need a big rim protector, and I think they'll find one. Think about it. When teams in the National Basketball Association start quitting and they start waving players, they want to look at a couple younger players to see if they're going to be in the rotation next year. You got big players making big money that are going to be available for the league minimum. I think that's when the Nets will get their rim protector. Could it be somebody like a DeMarcus Cousins type? Obviously, won't be DeMarcus Cousins because, you know, him and James Harden are taking shots at each other. But somebody like that that can protect the rim for the Nets will, will be a boom for them and will help them down the road. Right now, I, I don't like the Nets' depth outside of their first four players. And I throw Joe Harris in the mix because he's a guy that's going to go out there and score his 14-20 to 20 a game, kind of going to be the lost player on the basketball court. You're going to be out there, how are we going to guard Kyrie? How are we going to guard KD? How are we going to pay some attention to James Harden? And right there, Joe Harris is going to be open, uh, a very formidable three-point shooter. He's going to get all the looks that he needs. Would I be concerned that the Nets lost to the Cavs? No, because individual games happen. The Lakers lost to the Golden State Warriors. I'm not looking at them as any different. The Lakers are not a bad team. The Golden State Warriors aren't automatically better than the Los Angeles Lakers. It's just something that happens in a regular season. And you got a great performance for Colin Sexton. Probably the best game that he played over the course of his NBA career. Are the Cavs on their way up? Maybe. They got to get Darius Garland back in the mix. You know, Andre Drummond and Jared Allen both on the court at the same time. I kind of like that from a Cleveland perspective. Is anybody in the mix for the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference in the National Basketball Association? Yes. Do I expect the Cavs to be there? No. Number two, the Mets, I mean, it would be a lousy take if you try to say that Jared Porter should not have been let go for what was unveiled in regards to something that happened four years ago. We talk about certain conduct that's not acceptable and shouldn't be tolerated in any sport. So it's unfortunate you think of a timing of the whole thing. And my question is, did the firing of Jared Porter, perhaps the bringing up of the story by ESPN at the time that it was, was that the final nail in the coffin? Was that the final part of the decision that led to George Springer going to the Toronto Blue Jays signing his deal there and not going to the New York Mets because think about it there was a a dream scenario of a trade for Francisco Lindor which remember kind of still came out of nowhere I think Mets fans are still in shock that Francisco Lindor is wearing the New York Mets orange and blue and there was that thought that Lindor and Springer added to the Mets lineup and what it does for the team, both offensively and defensively. And there's still probably some fans that are in denial that George Springer is still, is, is no longer an option to be a free agent pickup for the New York Mets. And I wonder, did Steve Cohen say, hey, $150 million was too much? Did he get an opportunity to match the offer that the Toronto Blue Jays put out there? Or is something like the Mets' decision, which was the right one, to fire Jared Porter. And the story and the buzz that it created, was that the decision that led George Springer to go to the Toronto Blue Jays? Think about it. If it's 50-50, if he is leaning towards the Mets because of the connection or the proximity to his Connecticut, New Britain home, Does he say, wow, I'm involved in this Houston cheating scandal from 2017. Do I want to be, do I want to join a team that's got a little bit of controversy? Now, listen, the Mets separated themselves from this. This is something that didn't happen on the New York Mets watch. So it's hard to say that the Mets look bad here. In fact, they handled it the absolute best way possible. They didn't let this thing linger. Story came out during the night. By the morning Jared Porter was fired, it wasn't even, hey, we're going to conduct an investigation. It's, hey, there's a zero tolerance policy in regards to this. We spoke to him. We found out the information we needed and we decided that it was in the best interest to move on. The Mets handled it the best way possible. The Mets, for a change, and you look at the years upon years of looking bad in regards to public relations, they looked good in the situation, they looked fine. They did the absolute perfect number one choice of what everybody said they should have done, and they did it. Still comes down to George Springer having to make a decision. And does he decide, well, you know what? I don't know if I really want to be around uh, the uncertainty in regards to who the Mets general manager is, even though Sandy Alderson's been running the Mets since Steve Cohen took over as the owner. But I look at it like this because... Mets got some work to do. I mean, to just simply think that James McCann, Trevor May, Francisco Lindor, and Carlos Carrasco, and oh yeah, they brought back Marcus Stroman. Some good moves there. Are the Mets the Washington Nationals? Nah. Nationals are better. They signed John Lester. They're four deep in their rotation. They added Josh Bell. And odds are they're probably not finished. Kyle Schwarber is going to play in their outfield somewhere. If they have a DH, he's the perfect DH for that team. Are you forgetting about the Atlanta Braves? They're going to add another bat to that lineup. Their pitching staff is set. Their bullpen is strong, even though they got a couple free agents. Are they going to re sign them? How are they going to replace those spots in the bullpen? It's a couple questions in Atlanta, but they're still a better team. So if you're in a Mets, you're sitting there behind Washington and behind Atlanta right now, in spite of Francisco Lindor. But I got to keep hearing from, you know, Mets Twitter, because, you know, Mets Twitter is still all, you know, love struck because they got a new owner. Mets got a long way to go if they're going to start if they're going to compete in the National League East. And you're looking at the team right now. Where it is at this very moment is the third best team in that division. And that assumes that Philadelphia doesn't do anything to get any better. They add J T Realmuto, and I think they're, they're they're close to the Mets. They're closing in, a little behind, but closing in. The Miami Marlins made the playoffs last year. What if they went out there and signed J T Realmuto? What if they went out there and added another starting pitcher and another bat? I think these are things that are all possible. So to say that the Mets are up there with the Dodgers is an asinine statement. Are the Mets up there with the Padres? No. At this moment, they're not. Not getting George Springer means that they have to be a little more creative in regards to what they do. They get an all-field, no-hit center fielder. I don't know how good that's going to be. You have to be praying that there's a DH that. You get me a Jackie Bradley Jr., which I don't love, you got to hope that the National League adopts a DH for the 2021 season. Because then he could get away with an all-field, no-hit center fielder. But the dreams of Springer, Conforto, Lindor, Alonzo, Smith, a one through five, that would have been pretty sick. Now, Jack Peterson, there's a a report uh, by an amateur reporter, and I say that because, you know what, sometimes somebody gets the information And it doesn't have to be a big reporter. He's taking a shot. He says that Jock Peterson has got an agreement with the Atlanta Braves. And if he doesn't, he's going to look bad. He's never going to be trusted again. If I was the Mets, I'd be interested in Jock Peterson. You play a little center field. You platoon him with, let's say, a Jake Marisnyk if you wanted to re-sign him. Or even a Juan Lugaris. Brandon Nimmo plays there a little bit when you want to get Dom Smith in left field. And it protects you if there is no DH in the National League this year. I think losing out on Springer puts the Mets in a tough situation. Because you know, Marzelo Ozuna, which would be probably the next best offensive player, doesn't have a position either. You can throw him out in left field. I mean, have you seen some of the follies of him trying to play defense in the National League? He's so bad of a defender that the Atlanta Braves didn't even play him in the outfield last year. Now they got away with it because they had a DH. Hey, they're not re-signing him because there's no certainty there's going to be a DH in 2021. But I I love Marzell Ozuna's offense. Uh, You know, the guy probably can't catch a cold in the outfield, though. And I got him and Dom Smith. Imagine them in the same outfield. You know, Ozuna, back in the Marlins days, was playing a little center field. Unfortunately, as a defender, he's not the same anymore. Is that player out there? Could you make a trade perhaps for a Lorenzo Cain? You take it on money, you may be giving up a little bit more than you anticipate. Third thing, getting into the NFL. We got the playoffs this weekend, Championship Sunday. Championship Sunday, which reminds me, I got to get my Super Bowl boxes going. Championship Sunday, which you're thinking about can the Kansas City Chiefs compete if they don't have Patrick Mahomes on the football field? Scary moment. He ends up wobbling off the field after taking that hit to the head. It looks like his head hit the ground. That caused a concussion. He's going to go through the proper protocol. And once he is through... The proper protocol gets checked by the doctors. It'll be determined whether he could play. And if it's determined that he can't play, the Kansas City Chiefs are going to be forced to use Chad Henney. Chad Henney on Sunday did just enough to not lose the game for the Kansas City Chiefs. You say, hey, on that third down play, he made a big run. Sure, he had open field and he had the balls to go for the first down and he did it. You give a little golf clap, you congratulate him for that. Andy Reid, Eric Biannimi, both of them got the balls to make that call on fourth and one, a pass play to Tyree Hill and Chad Henney, because of the deception of the defense and because the throw was open, took a step back and executed. He did his job. Is Chad Henney going to go out there and make the plays that Patrick Mahomes makes on the football field in a championship game setting the answer is no so if I'm the Chiefs I'd be very concerned if Patrick Mahomes is ruled out for this game on Sunday the one thing that the NFL should stay away from and I hope they're careful with this is any idea of moving this game forward now they have done that in certain situations because teams have not had enough practice in regards to players having a coronavirus that's the only exception where a game has been moved this year. If enough players, if they determine that there's a little bit of an outbreak in regards to the teams, they, they make sure that the facilities are closed, they make sure that these teams don't practice, and they've moved games back on several occasions this year. One thing the NFL has not done is accommodated teams in positions of need. In other words, what happened in the Denver Broncos game when they didn't have any quarterback dressing? What happened? You remember? They went into the game without a quarterback. What happened to the Cleveland Browns in a game that they didn't have enough? They didn't have enough wide receivers. What, four wide receivers were all out? They played the game anyway. Teams that played without head coaches, teams that played without coaching staffs To quote the great shooter McGavin in Happy Gilmore, play the ball where it lies. The Kansas City Chiefs should not get an exception. They should not have the game delayed or pushed back for any reason. Because you, the fan, want want to see Patrick Mahomes? What happened to the Denver Broncos when they didn't have a quarterback available because of the coronavirus? They didn't postpone the game. They didn't set it up to a point where, all right, we'll make sure they have a a competent quarterback in there so they can play the game. Now, listen, they didn't cost the Denver Broncos a chance to the playoffs. But we gonna change the rules to accommodate one player? Are we gonna change the rules to accommodate one team? Are we gonna change the rules? Because perhaps you got this dream scenario of a Chiefs Packers Super Bowl and it may be the better game in regards to ratings. The answer should be no. Play the ball where it lies. If Patrick Mahomes has not cleared to play, if he's ruled out for the game on Sunday, you don't push the game back to see if Patrick Mahomes is ready on Monday or ready on Tuesday. Because the precedent has not been set to do that in the National Football League. It hasn't. I'm sorry. I don't need to be disrespectful. If you're a Chiefs fan and Patrick Mahomes can't play on Sunday, I feel bad for you. It's a, a tough break, but it's one of those things that happens. If a player is ruled out, you still play the game. You don't delay the game because there's a player that can't play, but maybe he can play the next day, or maybe he can play the next day after that. The NFL hasn't done that in regards to the coronavirus. It's not going to do it for the first time in its history in regards to a concussion. I'm sorry. I would be up in arms if the NFL made an accommodation to the Kansas City Chiefs, because that will be a one-off. That will be a rule that, that... they they would institute for one team to accommodate one player where nobody else has been in that situation. Browns played without their wide receivers. The Broncos played without a quarterback. Teams have played without coaches and coaching staffs. No games got pushed back so a player can play. The only times games got pushed back is when practice facilities were closed because of the outbreak of the coronavirus. A Little bit of a recap of the show today. And as always, I wanna thank everybody for tuning in. This is the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com, by St. Alice's Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck located in Stratton, Pennsylvania. Number one today are the Brooklyn Nets. Gonna be okay right away. I think it's gonna take a little time for Kyrie and Harden and Durant to play well together. It looked like Kyrie and Durant played well together. It looked like Durant and Harden played well together. Now you're talking about three alpha males on the court at the same time. And there was some indecisiveness in a game against the Cavaliers. Who's going to take the shot? James Harden in particular I thought was very passive on a bunch of occasions. And he's a scorer. He's got to take his shots. Maybe not as many as he took in, in Houston. Maybe not taking all the shots. But he can't be as passive as he, as he he was. And really has been over his three games in a Brooklyn Nets uniform. I think overall they'll figure it out. And I think you look at those players and the talented day exhibit. From a defensive standpoint, there's no way to be able to stop all three of them. You got one team that ends up stopping Kyrie. Maybe you can stop Kyrie and Durant. Maybe they help you by having a bad shooting day. But Are you going to be able to stop all three of them? Your your best defense against the Brooklyn Nets and those three players is to pick which one you're going to allow to hurt you and shut down two of them. I think once the Brooklyn Nets figure that out, I think they are gonna be the team to beat in Eastern Conference of the National Basketball Association. Number two today was the Mets making the correct decision in firing general manager Jared Porter, but was that the the determining factor in George Springer making a decision to sign with the Toronto Blue Jays? Reports were that George Springer wanted to play closer to his home in New Britain, Connecticut, The Mets, of course, much closer than Toronto, obviously leaps and bounds closer than Dunedin, Florida, where the Toronto Blue Jays will be playing in the 2021 baseball season. And if you're the Mets, I don't think it's an easy pivot. Don't sell me that signing George Springer was not a big deal. Losing out or missing out on getting George Springer was a big deal. The Mets as they're constituted right now, are not up there with the Braves they're not up there with the Nationals the Nationals have had a busy offseason they acquired Josh Bell they signed Kyle Schwarber they signed John Lester this is a good team a team that won a World Series two years ago that has gotten better Mets aren't as good as the Nationals right now they need to do more they need more meat They need to add something, whether it's another offensive player, whether it's an acquisition of Trevor Bauer, maybe um, a super rotation, maybe you add another couple relievers and bring in a super bullpen. The Mets don't have anything that you could say is superior. The Mets don't have an all-world offense. It's a good offense, but it's not a top-notch offense as it's constituted right now. They don't have a top-notch defense because you're running Dominic Smith out there in left field and Brandon Nimmo in center field. They don't have a top-notch rotation. They have a good rotation. Jacob deGrom, Carlos Carrasco, Marcus Stroman. I love their one through three. Unfortunately, after that, it's not very deep. Nationals are deeper. Braves are deeper. The Phillies are maybe one move away from being a little bit deeper. Bullpen. Bullpen's been the biggest weakness of the Mets over the past couple years. Yes, Sugar Diaz was great last year. Trevor May is a big acquisition for the Mets. Seth Lugo is going to be in a pen. I like it. You think about Batances, Familia, Brock, Miguel Castro. All pitchers with potential, but you could also expect them all to be bad. Their bullpen ain't great. The Mets don't have... A particular strength and unless they go all the way the way they're constructed right now is not good enough to win the National League East maybe compete for a wild card maybe petition Major League Baseball to let more than half the teams in the playoffs like they did last year which by the way with the majority of the team returning the Mets still managed to not make the playoffs over 50% of the teams in Major League Baseball made the playoffs last year And you're telling me that a team that essentially is a carbon copy of the year before, because I don't think James McCann is leaps and bounds better than Wilson Ramos, maybe he could cheat a little better. Maybe he could steal a couple strikes, right? Framing the art, how you you actually call a defensive metric, it's cheating. Are the Mets better at the catcher position? If they are, it's not by that much. Are they better up the middle with Lindor? Absolutely. They need a little more offense. They need a little more defense. They need a little more starting pitching. They need a little more depth. They need a little more bullpen. This Mets team right now, if the season started today, will be no better than a third-place team in a National League East. Finally, if the NFL decides to push back the AFC Championship game to accommodate the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, They would be the biggest hypocrites in the entirety of the world. Maybe bigger hypocrites than John Q Twitter handle that sent a bunch of dick pics before that's trying to talk about how he's up in arms that Jared Porter did the same thing. That kind of hypocrite. Because the NFL has made a statement this year that they are not going to postpone or push back games Just because players are not available to play. And if they've done it for the coronavirus, they're going to do it for a concussion. For those of us that are confused, because I think some people are confused. They say, hey, there's been games played on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday this year. Games have been pushed back. But they've been pushed back because entire facilities have been closed down because of the coronavirus. Teams have gone four, five, six days without practicing because there's been outbreaks amongst teams. They're doing contact, uh, contact tracing. They're trying to make sure that there's no players that are, are you know getting the virus. So because of that, if you haven't given a team a chance to practice, it makes sense to push back a game. The Kansas City Chiefs are practicing every day this week. Patrick Mahomes, according to a source, practiced on Wednesday it Was a full participant You push back the a game one day To keep him within the concussion protocol That's a bad job By the NFL The same NFL that didn't do it when the Denver Broncos Didn't have a quarterback The same NFL that didn't do it when The Cleveland Browns didn't have a wide receiver The same NFL That didn't do it when numerous coaches And players were not available To play in a given game You're not going to do it for the Kansas City Chiefs. If you do, you're a hypocrite. Like I said, you're as much of a hypocrite as you are as Mr. John Q Twitter follower who has a fake name that's sending mad dick pics to chicks. And then when Jared Porter gets caught sending one and terminated for it, you act like you're up in arms and all of a sudden you think people should respect women. You're a hypocrite. Just as much as the NFL would be. If they push back the Kansas City Chiefs game against the Buffalo Bills this weekend. We'll be back with you on Saturday. We'll do some NFL picks. We'll get a little bit into the free agents in Major League Baseball. Not looking good again. We got DJ LeMayhew and very few others that we made positive prediction with. But we'll total that up for Saturday's show. As well as everything else going on in the world of baseball, sports, and Unifying America. God bless you, and as always, I see you on the other side.